I've got to tell you, I've, I was wrestling with what to preach. Because uh, I, I preached one thing in the first service. And um, I don't know. I feel like God's kind of messing with me. Just pray with me right now so I'll make sure and preach the right thing. Okay, Lord, this is your service. This is your word. And um, I really want to say what you uh, need to say today. Um, I don't know if I'll ever be back in Xenia again. And so I want to make sure I do this right. And uh, Lord, I ask this because of you. Amen. Oh, me. So, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm, I, I didn't really prepare this, but I feel like I need to share this. It's from um, Matthew chapter 20. The, the tech people are going to kill me because they finally, they worked really hard to get my thing together. But Matthew chapter 20, and if I could, I would read 16 verses, but I'm not going to do that. And hopefully my memory is good enough that I can recall it. But the 16th verse, 16th verse, Matthew chapter 20, verse 16, is so intriguing to me. It's so, man, it's so like uh, rebellious, so, so counterculture to me. It's Matthew chapter 16 or chapter 20, verse 16. And it's Jesus speaking, I know because they use red ink. And look what it says in in my Bible. I don't know about yours. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Did you know that? Did you know that Jesus left heaven, came to earth, died on a cross, was placed in a grave, and the grave couldn't hold him? And so, really, less than three days later, we, we say three days, but really, he wasn't. He wasn't in there 72 hours, but on Sunday morning when they went to prepare his body for burial, he was gone. He did all of that so that the people who were in last place would be in first place, and the people who were in first place would be in last place. Now, all of that hinges on understanding what comes before this verse, and in, uh, uh, Jesus is telling a parable in Matthew chapter 20, and it is probably my least favorite parable Every time I read it, I get a little mad. Um, and basically, it's, it's this, this guy owns a vineyard, right? And he goes out to hire people. He goes to the place where people hang out to be hired. And uh, he, uh, he pulls up. And, and we did hurricane relief uh, down in Mississippi a few years back uh, with, with a, a youth group from the church I pastored. And um, we, 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 they asked me to go because I can, I can hablar a little. I can speak Spanish. And, uh, so they took me to Home Depot. And there were all these guys waiting to be hired. And so I saw this like in reality. And they were, you know, illegal immigrants from Mexico. And they were day laborers. And they were just hoping somebody would come. And so we, we stopped and we told them we want to put some insulation in a new building that we're trying to help build, a new church building. And we'll give you $100 for the day and so they're going to mess with fiberglass insulation for about 12 hours for 100 bucks and uh, they all jump in the back of the truck we, we hired like four or five of them and we took them so I just picture this guy that owns a vineyard and he's you know that if for for, for those of you from Jamestown that's a, uh, where they raise grapes and <laughs> so I didn't forget just kidding if you're from Jamestown but uh, they probably raise more grapes in Jamestown than they do here. But um, he, he goes in his pickup truck, and he goes to the place where he's going to hire some people. He, he, he hires a few guys. He says, uh, and I'll give you a day's wages, which is one denarii, it says in the Bible. I'll give you a day's wages. And they agree to that. Sounds good. They jump in the back of the truck. He takes him. It says it's early in the morning. 
And once they get going, he realizes he's got a bumper crop. He needs to go hire some more. And so he goes a few hours later, and he hires a few more. And they jump in his truck, and he takes them. I'm modernizing a little bit. Uh, but they take, he takes them. And then he goes back at noon, and he hires some more. And then he goes like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he hires some more. And then he goes at, at 4 o'clock, and quitting time's at 5 and he, and he hires some more, gets them back barely in time. They work about an hour, and now it's time to pay everybody. And so he instructs, like the paymaster, the guy that's, you know, got all the money, he says, start paying them. And, and he says, start with the ones we hired last. And so the guys that had only worked for an hour walk up to get their money, and they get a denarii. They get a whole day's wages for an hour. And so, you know, the guys that have been there the longer thinking, woo. All right. And so the guys who've been there just a few hours, they, they walk up and they get a denarii. And then the guys that have been there the longer, they walk up, they get a denarii. And then finally down to the guys who had come early in the morning, the sun was just coming up. They worked all day long and, and he brings them up to the window and they get paid the same as the guys that worked only an hour. And, um, so they had a union meeting. They called the union together and they had a discussion. They elect a representative who has to go to the owner of the vineyard and who has to uh, ask him this question. He says, uh, you know, this is unfair. We worked all day long. We bore the burden through the heat of the day and you're paying us the same as you paid those guys. They didn't even break a sweat. They only worked an hour. Look at all the grapes we gathered. They only gathered this many grapes. You owe us more money. And here's what Jesus has the owner of the vineyard who always represents God, right? I mean, the owners, I mean, this represents God. And, and the owner of the vineyard says to them, didn't, didn't we have an agreement? Didn't you say you would work for a denarii? And isn't that what I paid you? So don't I have a right to do what I want with my money? And then Jesus says that the last are going to be first and the first are going to be last. And that just like ticks me off because I've been in church all my life. And, uh, you know, I, I would hope that I've scored some points with God. I mean, I've given lots of money, and uh, instead of vacations, I went on work and witness trips. Um, I, I, I've studied really hard, and, and I preached, and there are a couple times where I went without a paycheck, or at least it felt that way, and people had to give my kids clothes because we didn't have the money to buy them. They had to bring groceries and put them on our porch because we didn't have any food. I mean, there, there, have, been, there have been some tough times. And, and God, if you're going to tell me that some Johnny-come-lately who just jumps in at the end of the thing and starts up his little church across the way and he's going to get everything that I get, that's just not fair. I've been a Nazarene for a long time. I, I've heard it. I've heard it. I could tell you about sacrificing to help furnish this room, and I could tell you about names I wrote on the concrete under this carpet of people that need to be saved. I could tell you, <laughs> I could tell you about when we were going to build that building across the street. And it's one of my favorite stories where me and Joe Bowman are going over. I'm just talking away and he's behind me. And, and I jump over the trench where they're going to pour the foundation. And I'm still talking and I look. And Joe's not there. And he didn't see the trench. And he's down in a hole. And 
I had, to, I had to stop and pull him out of the hole. And I mean, that building wouldn't be there if it wasn't for me, daggone it, you know. And so you're telling me that Mark Atherton can come into this church. <laughs> daggone it. And some of you, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You've been around here a long time. How dare them not do hymns? How dare them, just a hymn every once in a while, throw me a bone, do something. <laughs> I've been here a long time. I've paid the way. I've made things happen. And uh, come on. I remember my dad. I remember my dad, godly man, lovely man. But I remember how mad he was when they brought a pool table into the youth room. I remember this was a liver die. And I remember searching the scriptures for pool table. I couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> Come on. And we borne the burden in the heat of the day, and we gathered lots more grapes than they have. How dare you? And then God says, don't I have a right to bless who I want, the way I want, how I want? I don't think he's saying that your work doesn't matter. I'm just saying that his grace matters more. See, that's what this is about. This is about grace and this first being last and this last being first seems so weird to us because our whole world is characterized by ungrace. Ungrace. You've got to earn it, baby. You've got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You've got to make your own way. Nobody owes you a living. You've got, and, and in this world of ungrace, where if you work really hard, you'll get a scholarship, right? If you're really a good athlete, you'll get a scholarship. You might get an academic scholarship if you work really hard. You gotta earn your way. And if you work really hard at your job, you will move up, you'll be promoted, you'll get paid more, you'll make a bonus, you'll get a bonus. I mean, that's a bonus, you work harder, but you deserve the bonus because you earned the bonus because you worked harder than anybody else and you get rewarded for working harder. And Jesus says the first will be last and the last will be first. What? What's he talking about? Why would he say such a ridiculous thing? Because he knew his audience. And the Jews thought they were first. I mean, we are the children of Abraham. We're the, we're the ones. I mean, there would be no Jewish faith if it weren't for us. And the Pharisees and the scribes and the priests. We are the guardians of the faith. And we keep things going. And we make sure that people toe the line. And you've got to know that when our time comes, man, we are going to get the reward. Probably when I get to heaven, God is going to be impressed. God is going to be impressed. We reward people for the good stuff that they do, and we punish them for the ungood stuff that they do or don't do. Like when my daughter, where are you, Rachel? Yeah. She went all year one year at Xenia Christian School without getting a detention. Not one detention all year long. And so at the end of the year, they had a no detention party. They had a party for all the kids. I think there were three of them. They had a party for all the kids <laughs> who were able to go all year. It was a tough school, tough school. All year without one detention. And, she went, and they took them bowling. 
And so Rachel decided at the bowling alley, she would see what happens when the pin setter is down if you roll the ball and hit it. And Rachel broke the bowling alley. Guess what? She is still, I mean, and I know the school doesn't exist anymore, but she might be the only person in history who ever got a detention at the no detention party. And she, she framed it and hung it on the door in her bedroom. And, and I have to say, I was kind of impressed. I thought, that's pretty, there's your detention. You earned that. You deserve it. World of ungrace. World of ungrace where you can work for the same company for 30 years and they can just let you go. They don't owe you anything. World, world of ungrace where you try and you try to fit in, but the bullies won't leave you alone. The world of ungrace where if you stand up for the wrong party or, or if you believe in the wrong thing, or you can be left out and you can be cut out and you can be cut up and you can be gutted in a world of ungrace where it's not the kid's fault, but mom and dad got a divorce and it just, it just gutted them. Um, can't help it. A world of ungrace. See, there's a lot of people that are striving to be first, but there are a lot of people that are last that don't think it's worth the effort. World of ungrace. I, I, I wish I could express to you how many times that I've looked at myself and thought about. See, I know me. I know me. I, I know down deep inside who I, who I really am. I mean, I know how deceitful I can be. I know how fake I can be. I know how I can try to impress people. I still remember, and it's a prayer I still need to pray. Right here at this place on the altar, the night Debbie and I were going to be interviewed to be pastor here, I remember us kneeling down here before we went in for the interview, and I remember praying, Lord, save us from trying to impress each other. We try to put out this impression. Try to convince people of what we want them to know. I mean, the stuff, my Facebook profile picture, some of you are really into selfies, and you took 2,000 pictures to get just the right one. And seeing you in person, you don't look that good. <laughs> and Instagram and all that stuff, you know, Snapchat, and try to put out the right image, because if I don't put out the right image, people will laugh at me, and people will make fun of me. And there are a lot of people that are in last place. A lot of people that, it's like, what's the use? Why should I? I remember going through something like that when I was here. I was just struggling, you know. I, most pastors are just insecure people trying to get other people to like them. I mean, if we were honest about it. I remember going through something. Anyway, it was, a, it was a weird spring. It was a very rainy spring. And, and some of you will remember that spring. It just rained and rained. And the fields looked like lakes. And uh, just about the time you thought it was done raining, it would rain some more. And what that meant was that all the farmers had trouble getting their crops in. And, and so that was also the spring that Marvin was so sick. And uh, this would be his last spring and obviously he couldn't get out Marvin Beam for those of you yeah, he couldn't get out and work and so I'd gone to visit him there at the house he had uh, stage four cancer he was very weak at that time he couldn't hardly get out of bed I went in and I, I said Marvin uh, I said now nah, I, I, you don't want me plowing but I can drive a tractor I'd be glad to disc for you and he just laid there real quiet and I thought he didn't hear me and um I said, I'll be glad to disc your fields. And, and I said, plus, I'll work for free. 
And I remember he rolled his eyes up and looked at me and he goes, sometimes that free help can be awful expensive. <laughs> but I felt bad. I felt bad for the farmers. And he had help. He had, you know, some other people that were helping him. And so Paul, my son Paul, um, he worked for Daryl out on his farm. I saw Daryl at the first service. Paul is our middle boy. We've often wondered if somehow there was a mistake when we picked him up at the hospital because he's like razor thin. And the rest of us, well, we like to eat. And um, we often wondered if some skinny family was sitting somewhere with this fat kid saying, what happened? And he worked for Daryl. He drove semis when he was 14, 15, and drove the big combines and all that stuff. And so I knew Daryl, he was trying to get his crop in. And I thought, I'll go out and I'll go out and offer to help. And I, I offered, he said, Yeah, come on out Saturday. And so I got there and I'm like, I'm wondering which tractor that I'm going to drive. And uh, <laughs> and I look, and there's Paul. Paul's out in the the big Massey that had oscillating drive, you know, it's got eight foot tires and he's out there disking and Daryl is spreading chemicals. So he's basically, as Paul disks, he's spreading chemicals and I looked and there wasn't another tractor. I thought, well, I'm going to be going home. I got to get my sermon ready tomorrow anyway. And so Daryl came up and I walked up to the tractor and he says, Pastor Mike, I really need you. I said, oh, I thought he's going to leave and wanted me to spray the spray this stuff he said my marker broke off the tractor and so when I get to the end of a row I don't know where I've already been so I need a marker so I said okay thought he wanted me to go you know to quality farm and fleet or somewhere and buy him a marker he said so here's what I need you to do and he gets out of the tractor and he walks to the edge of the field he says, stand right there. He said, now when I get to the end, walk over eight steps. And then stand there and I'll know that I've covered that. I remember standing there thinking, so this is farming. I'm farming. I'm farming right now. Move down. And Daryl had to reload the sprayer and he stopped. And so I sat down on a big dirt clod and, and I was looking out across the way and there was Paul disking. And he stopped at the far end of the field. And he climbed down the ladder of that big machine and, and he walked. And it was a warm spring day and all he had on was a pair of bibbed overalls and muck boots. And here he was, this wisp of a boy. And all I could see was a silhouette walking across the way. And all of a sudden, my heart, I can't even express to you, and I thought, that can't be mine. How did I have anything to do with that? And I gotta tell you that farming made me cry. I mean, 
I sat there on that dirt cloud and I started crying just then. But what a beautiful boy. What an amazing, beautiful boy. And I watched him as he walked and I don't know what he did. And then as he came back and I went all day and, and finished, and I got back in my car and I was driving back here uh, toward the west and the sun was shining in my face and and I would like to think it was because the sunlight was so bright in my eyes, but I started to tear up again. I said, thank you, Lord. Thanks for my family. You've been so good to me. And I said, and thank you for Paul. What a beautiful boy. And in that moment, I felt like the Lord say, that's how I feel about you. No way. No way. I'm last. I'm last. I'm in last place. There is no way. But you see, when Jesus died on the cross, he died so that losers like me could win. He died so that people who have been beaten down in this graceless world could be raised up through the power of the cross and through his empty tomb and so that we would know that we are the apple of God's eye that he loves us that he wants good for us that he has a wonderful plan for our life and it doesn't mean there won't be pain and there won't be sorrow it doesn't mean that there's not going to be struggle but what he's promised is I'll be with you in it all through it all with it all I'm going to be with you and I love you and he loved us so much that he climbed up a hill and allowed himself to be nailed to a cross. I think the most spiritual thing I ever did, I did in this church. It was during vacation Bible school. I think it was the most spiritual thing I ever did. I hadn't been here very long, and it was back when pastors wore neckties to mow their grass. It was, you uh, wore suits a lot. And uh, you think I'm kidding, don't you? And I was wearing like this dark suit. I call it my Merriam Barium suit, weddings and funerals. Um, and I was wearing that during vacation Bible school. And uh, one of the workers came back and she got Karen. And uh, Karen went in my office and got me and I was working on huge stuff, you know, big stuff in my suit. And uh, they said, there's a little boy that needs help. I said, oh, a little boy that needs help. And you're t telling me why? Because he won't come out of the bathroom. He's in the men's room. We don't have any guy teachers. Guys work with kids. 80% of the people who profess faith in Jesus Christ came to Jesus between the ages of 4 and 14. We'd better invest there. Amen? You don't have to like it. It's true. I went in, and the bathroom smelled awful. <laughs> and there was a little boy. I could see his feet. And I could see there was excrement on his feet. This little guy had gotten sick at vacation Bible school, and he went all over himself. Yeah, I know. Some of you are gagging already. Sorry. But I went in. I, I, I said, are you okay? And he just started crying. I said, can I come in? No. I said, well, I have to come in. <laughs> he 
He was a mess, man. He was crying. I'm thinking, there's not one teacher that could do this. <laughs> I wish I could say I was just overwhelmed with all this love. And so I, I, I took off my Mary and Barium jacket and rolled up my sleeves, tucked my tie down inside my shirt just in case it <laughs> swung into something. And I, I got down on my knees and I, I said, we're going to have to take your clothes off. Your mom's bringing you some more. And so I started helping him take his clothes off. And, and as I did, he just started crying. Man, he was bawling. And I don't know if it was a smell or the kid, but I started crying too. I started crying. <laughs> and somebody had a towel from somewhere and I'd gotten it wet. I was wiping him off. And I was just bawling and he was bawling. And I think that was the most spiritual thing I've ever done. Cleaning the filth off a dirty little kid. I still don't know his name. I don't know who he was. Might have been Seabold. I don't remember. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. I just remember that while I was cleaning him up, I didn't know this kid, but all of a sudden, my, my uh, pity, compassion, whatever it was, and I started loving this kid. Like, I don't know who he is. I just started, because I have had mess all over me. And the Lord, he didn't complain about rolling up his sleeves and cleaning me up. You know, that's, that's the grace. Do you understand how much he loves you? How much he hates the sin that has you addicted and broken and, and, and makes you feel horrible every day. And you come to church, you feel like, oh, they're good, they're good, they're good. But I'm, I'm in the last place. But you know what? When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die to be impressed with somebody's goodness. He is attracted to your badness. He is attracted to your brokenness. He is attracted to your sinfulness. He is attracted to that. And he wants so badly to clean you up. Right? You hear me? He doesn't want that stuff on you. <laughs> and I think that morning I got a real glimpse of who God really is. I love Morgan Freeman. But I don't think he has any idea who God is. Telling the story of God. Because if you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus took little children in his arms and blessed them. And he touched lepers. And he uh, forgave a woman who was caught in sexual immorality, co committing adultery. And he said, I don't condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. Jesus takes the last and puts them first. And often the people who are in first place have to go to the end of the line and wait. Would you bow your heads with me, Jesus? Today, we thank you for your grace. None of us would be here. We wouldn't have a prayer without your grace. There would be no hope without your grace. Thank you, Jesus, that you took the last place in line so I could go up first. Thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross so that we could live. Thank you, Jesus, that you became guilty so that we could be free. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I just want to pray right now for anybody in this room who feels like they're in last place, that today they would recognize that they can move to the head of the class.
They can move to the front of the line. As they don't have to wait behind other people that seem more holy or better. Lord, you're not impressed with all of our, our good works and all of that stuff, Lord, because you know how much, no matter how good we are, without your grace, it's all filthy rags. And Lord, I just pray right now that your grace would just flood and pour out. We sang about how that our love and our, our adoration and, and it would just be poured out at your feet. Lord, we recognize that at your feet, you poured out your love for us through the blood that was shed on the cross. And Lord, I pray that if there's anybody in this room that needs forgiven or that needs to know uh, that... Uh, that you love them or care about them. They've been through it. They've been abused. They've been beat up. They've... Lord, I pray for the last. And I pray for the first. Sometimes we're the hardest to get through to. But Lord, help us to realize sometimes we've got to move to the back so other people can get up front. I pray this in Jesus' name. Who said, the first will be last. And the last will be first. And we have these tables set up and um, some of you might want to come and celebrate what Jesus did to put you in first place through the symbols of his blood and his body. And others of you may want to come and kneel at this altar. I want to tell you it's a grace place. It's a grace place. It's a place where you can kneel at his feet and no matter what you have going on in your life or no matter what is on you, he wants to cleanse you, and to love you. And let's celebrate that today. God bless you.